The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord. Then they came to Capernaum, and on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. The people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. In their synagogue was a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Quiet, come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsed him, and with a loud cry came out of him. All were amazed and asked one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. His fame spread everywhere throughout the whole region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. So maybe we should talk about Paul's view of marriage this morning. <laughs> uh, I think we'll say that for another year. Um, instead, let's talk about the Academy Awards. We're right in the middle of Academy Awards season, and our popular culture is just filled with all kinds of guessing about which film is going to get the biggest awards and which actresses and actors and all that stuff. It's, it's, uh, it's so exciting if you're into that, all that stuff, of course. Um, and maybe in a way, um, the Academy Awards are a kind of a good entree into figuring out what today's gospel is kind of about. It probably seems weird, but it is Academy Awards season after all. So Hollywood seems to be able to, seems to be kind of put out two kinds of movies. So there's the big studios that have tons of money and they got lots of time and they can, they can dedicate themselves to putting out one of these big, beautiful blockbuster films, you know, with the finest actors and the greatest writers and, and, and all the money in the world to make this film. And so they, they take their time and they begin the film slowly and they add all kinds of layers of development and character and they can afford to have long scenes of leaves floating in the wind and, and uh, long dialogues where you slowly and gradually begin to see the depths of these characters and, and then of course it all slowly leads to the, 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 the moment where everything comes together and the movie ends and they roll the credits and, and you come out of the theater saying, wow, that was lovely, let's go have a beer. But there's another kind of movie as well that's put out not by the big studios, but usually by some kind of little independent operation. It's some maybe semi not very well known director, writer, and they're kind of brash and they've got not very much money and they don't have very much time and so their 
movie, their movie is, is of a completely different feeling. They don't have the money or the time to have long, laconic shots of leaves blowing in the wind or big, beautiful dialogues between the characters or to layer the, the characterization so you only get, you get deeper and deeper before you ever, ever get to the, the climax of the movie. No, their movies are fast and furious and brash and they start right up front as soon as the title scene has rolled. They're, they're right into it because they want to capture our attention right away and hold it and then they put the pedal to the metal and it's one scene after another after another until they get to the big explosion at the end and you come out of the theater and you say, hey, what was all that about? You say, I don't know, but I think it deserves an Academy Award. <laughs> <clears throat> and so the Gospels are kind of like that too. You've got, you've got the expansive, tranquil Gospels that, that have lots of time to develop characters and to have long dialogues and speeches and prayers. You've got John's the most of all, but Matthew and Luke are that way too. And then you've got Mark. He's like this little brash independent director writer who's got to get to this thing right away. So he doesn't care at all about all that Nazareth and Bethlehem stuff. He starts his gospel with Jesus already being an adult and he begins the first two verses with a quote from the prophet Isaiah just to kind of set the scene. Only two verses and then, uh, then he introduces us to John the Baptist and it only takes four verses to tell the whole story of John the Baptist and eating honey and, and grasshoppers and baptizing in the river Jordan and then Jesus gets baptized and then Jesus goes out in the desert for 40 days and has his 40 day retreat and that's only two verses there and then he comes to Capernaum and he immediately calls Peter and Andrew and John and James and they immediately respond there's none of this sitting around all day chatting with Jesus before you say yes they say yes right away they leave their nets and their fish and that's only three or four verses and then we get to the verse we begin today and we're only not even halfway through the first chapter so this is like the first three minutes of the film and then Jesus finds himself on the Sabbath in the synagogue in Capernaum and he gives a speech and Mark doesn't even bother to tell us what his sermon was about doesn't matter to him what he cares about is what happens next and what happens next is the biggest thing that Mark can think of. This is the, the opening gambit. This is the, this is the big battle scene to begin the movie so that we get our attention and grabs it and teaches us from the very beginning what this whole thing is about. Jesus confronts evil in that synagogue in Capernaum. There's some poor man who's possessed by an unclean spirit and all of a sudden you have the stage set for the battle royale between the powers of God and goodness and grace and the powers of evil and darkness and death. And the demon, this unclean spirit, he takes the first blow. He's going to take Jesus down right away and he knows Jesus' weak spot, his vulnerable point. And we're all looking, what's he going to do? What's this demon going to do? And he swipes at Jesus and knocks him for a loop, at least it seems, by saying to Jesus, I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. And he takes from Jesus his own power and authority to reveal himself. He takes the words and the identity of Jesus over to himself 
And instead of Jesus being able to reveal himself in his own time and in his own way, that evil spirit absconds with that authority and takes it upon himself and reveals who Jesus is to anyone and everyone who's listening. And Jesus responds with a whack of his own. This battle is not done yet. Jesus screams at the top of his voice with that evil spirit, Shut up! Quiet! And then he says, Get out! And that unclean spirit goes roiling and tumbling and leaves the poor man on the ground, perhaps foaming at the mouth, who knows, and leaves in shame to come back perhaps another day. And that battle between goodness, between life, between God, and evil in all of its forms, darkness, death, is won by Jesus. And that's what Mark wants us to see. That's what he's been leading up to. I don't need the nativity. I don't need camels. I don't need three kings. I want this battle between Jesus and the evil spirit to be the first thing people know about Jesus. And boy, does he capture our attention. Like the folks in the synagogue, we stand amazed. But Jesus isn't done yet. Within this same first chapter, he'll heal Simon Peter's mother-in-law. He goes on to heal a paralytic and a leper. And before long, of course, he's healing all kinds of people. And before long, only 16 chapters later, we revisit this battle, but now on cosmic terms. Jesus must do battle again with these impure, unclean spirits. The spirits that reside in the human heart of anger and vengeance and hatred and pride and arrogance and jealousy. The powers that overtake the people who want to take Jesus down simply because he's good and of God. And they win, it seems like, at first. And Jesus ends up smoldering in a tomb for three days, dead as dead can be. The powers of darkness seemingly have won. But then... But then the voice of God, the voice of grace, the voice of love, the voice of life cries out against the darkness and the cold and the death and says, come out, come out of there. And Jesus rises and takes the linens off his face and steps out into the golden dawn of the first day of the week. And suddenly we know that the cosmic battle between God and life and love and forgiveness and mercy and compassion does indeed win against the human heart's darkest corners where hatred and vengeance and mercilessness and untruth reside. And we don't have to say this story deserves an Academy Award. Because instead, we know that this story that Mark is telling at breakneck speed is a story which is meant to capture us and to hold us and in a sense to force us to confront that same battle between good and evil, righteousness and injustice, hatred and love.
vengeance and forgiveness. It forces us to make a choice. Are we with him? Are we with Jesus? Are we with this Holy One of God and his way? Or are we with these other powers of the world that take us down and lead us to death and turn our hearts into pits of vengeance? And that's not an easy choice. But it's forced upon us by the Gospel of Mark. It's forced upon us by this battle between Jesus and the synagogue and this evil spirit possessing that man. And it's certainly forced upon us by the rest of the gospel, especially its climax in Holy Week and Easter. It ain't easy. Though we stand amazed, we still have to choose. Are we with him or against him? Do we choose to be people of forgiveness and mercy and compassion? People who believe that there's something greater than us that we can strive for. People who see and know and understand life and love and grace and God. Or do we allow those same dark powers of vengeance and injustice and oppression and mercilessness and lack of compassion to infect our lives and our hearts? Not just in a big global way, but even in our daily relationships with everybody and anybody we meet day in and day out. It's not a one-time choice we make at baptism. It's a choice we have to make every day of our lives, really every moment of our lives. This Jesus who was presented to us at breakneck speed by Mark in the opening of his gospel, the very first chapter, 20 verses or more, is the Jesus that we have to choose to follow. We have to say yea or nay. I'm with him or I'm against him. I hitch my cart to him or I hitch my cart to the powers of darkness. It's a choice that we have to make. It's forced upon us by the gospel. Yes, to love, to mercy, to life. Or yes, to death and hopelessness and murder. It's our choice.